Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. We are so excited to bring you today's episode with our good friend and advisor to the project, Rick Weisbord. Rick is currently a senior lecturer in education at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and at the Kennedy School of Government. He's also the faculty director of the Human Development and Psychology Master's Program, which is where he and I initially met. Rick's work focuses on vulnerability and resilience in childhood, the achievement gap, moral development, and effective schools and services for children, which obviously has just made him an incredible resource for the work that we are doing. Alongside Stephanie Jones, who is also an advisor to our project, Rick directs the Making Caring Common Project, which is a national effort to make moral and social development priorities in child raising. What initially drew me to Rick's work and ultimately to Harvard was reading a book called The Parents We Mean to Be, subtitled How Well-Intentioned Adults Undermine Children's Moral and Emotional Development. That book was named by The New Yorker as one of the top 24 books of 2009. In it, there is a chapter called The Morally Mature Sports Parent, where Rick begins to identify the power of sports as an educational platform, noting that more than 40 million American children are engaged in organized sports. In his book, he notes the need of character education programs to, quote, give coaches a language for thinking and talking about their relationships with kids that doesn't smack of therapeutic culture. That idea rings especially true at the Good Athlete Project, where we value honest looking above all else. It reminds us of a quote from Emerson, which goes, quote, truth is handsomer than the affectation of love. Your good must have some edge to it, else it is none, end quote. What I respect most about Rick is that he is a genuinely kind human being. We're very lucky to have him as an advisor to the project. I'm very lucky to consider him a friend, and I'm honored that he's shared some of his thoughts with us today. His work is, in my opinion, changing the way that we think about character education and education on the whole. This is definitely not the last conversation we will have with Rick. We hope to have him back on the podcast soon. We think you're gonna love today's episode. Feel free to reach out with any questions. Making Care in Common is trying to elevate the importance of ethical character in child raising. And, and it's born out of concern about the degree to which we have elevated achievement and happiness as the goals of child raising. And our data really show this, that to a degree that's probably unprecedented in our history, um, parents are focusing on their kids achieving at high levels and being happy, aspects of their success, and demoting or marginalizing caring about others, caring for the common good. And we're trying to change that. We're trying to put caring, concern for others front and center again in child raising. We're trying to get parents to put it front and center. We're trying to get sports to put it front and center. There it is. We're trying to get colleges to put it front and center and college admissions in a variety of ways. We're trying to put it front and center. You mentioned sports as a former sports parent. Um, can you talk about some ways maybe um, that environment can go wrong in, in how you would like to see it instead? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything about sports per se that builds character. And I say that as, you know, as a sports parent, as also somebody who played sports as a mm -hmm. kid. You know, there are good sports environments, they are really bad sports environments. Um, the good sports environments can be incredibly powerful because they can help kids learn to empathize with people who are different than them. They can help kids take other perspectives. They can help kids manage these destructive feelings like anger, violent feelings, shame, competitive feelings. 
that you can have those feelings, but you can also um, overcome them. And, you know, at the end of the game, you can shake hands. Mm -hmm. um, and you can learn a lot about yourself. You can learn about your capacity to demonize other people, too. I mean, that's one of the other things that happens in sports. Um, you know, your feelings are, intense feelings are colliding with someone else's intense feelings. And you also can learn how to manage aggression yourself in ways that are appropriate. You have to manage it so you conform to the rules. So these are incredible opportunities to learn how to manage, you know, a whole range of negative feelings. Good coaches know how to kids, help kids do that, you know, manage this range of, of negative feelings. But coaches who don't care or, or coaches who are bad can fuel those negative feelings. You know, they can really, um, they can really support a kind of win-at-all-costs attitude. They can mm -hmm. permit forms of aggression and rule-breaking they shouldn't permit. So it really depends on what the sports environment is and the kind of culture a coach and a sports community, including parents, is creating. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you mentioned the word shame, which brings up two ideas. One, uh, one of the obvious issues in sports is, like you said, people who make, you know, reference sports is war. Sports is not war. You know, people, the hyper-competitive uh, conquering mentality of sports, there's a danger there. And then one, the other thing, I think on the flip side of the coin, the shame element you just explained essentially finding somewhere between whatever we were just talking about, the hyper-competitive, hyper-masculine uh, approach and um, not instilling shame. What I mean by that is I think it's important to acknowledge that adolescents are competitive and do maybe want to tap into their more animal side when hormones are running wild. And, and instead of saying, no, don't be like that, don't feel that way, you know, um, it's framing a very specific environment like you outlined so that it's a management idea instead of a, uh, a, a stomping down of those emotions. It's a it's a, a way of managing and working through them in a productive way. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there's some feelings you can have when you're playing sports that I don't think you want kids to have. I don't think you want kids to feel too much shame when they're playing sports right. or too much humili humiliation right. or too much anger. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a point at which when sports is triggering those feelings, that becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. But, you know, mostly I feel like intense competition is really good for kids. And it's right. good for the reason you said, that it does bring out feelings of aggression. It can bring out uh, momentarily feelings of, uh, you know, at least, you know, some very small amounts, of, you know, moderate amounts of shame. Shame in the sense that you know you feel like you could be doing better or that your performance could be better and, and would you say that might be more guilt than shame so that, right. well if you think of shame as defects in the self and the awareness of your right. of your defects you know i don't i really don't want kids to be flooded with shame swamped with right. shame like, right you know, I'm, I'm full of defects but mm -hmm. to feel like at times like i can do better i have a higher standard of myself mm -hmm. i didn't play as well as i could have played i'm going to really push myself to meet that standard that's, you know, I don't know if you don't even call that shame, but that yeah. modest amount of kind of self-criticism absolutely can be and, very positive. And wouldn't it be? Um, so you know, this is the problem with you know the, the give every kid a trophy culture. Right. You know, you know, kids need to learn to cope with failure. They need to learn to cope with the fact that um, and deal constructively with the fact that sometimes they underperform, mm -hmm. um, and they need to understand that. And they'll, they're going to do better if they feel like they can improve their performance. So I think there's a lot. Um, Anyway, a lot there. A lot of good things that can happen. Under, again, under, under the right conditions with the right coach. Right. And going back to the idea that we've talked about before, even very recently, that sports don't teach life lessons, but well-intended teachers and coaches use sports as a platform to teach life lessons. And it can be, and it can be an, an incredible platform. Right. No, I think that's right. Um, 
you know, somebody said, I forgot who, but the sports doesn't uh, teach character, but it does reveal yeah, character. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I don't think I know that quite right. I think sports can teach character. I agree. I, I and in agree some respects, I think it can reveal character. In some respects, um, it doesn't. I think sometimes people can over analyze um, sports in terms of predicting character. You know, mm -hmm. if somebody can uh, excel in, in sports, play very confidently, play at a very high level, but not be confident in other parts of their lives. Sure. Somebody can choke in sports and and be quite confident in other, you know, socially or academically. It's, you know, so there are ways in which sports represents and reflects character. There are other ways it really doesn't, though, and I, and I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't tie those sports and the rest of your life together in too neat a package because I don't think they belong. You know, they belong. Absolutely. I think in and, and the reveal, I think the issue that I have with the reveal is that maybe gives, if, if you say sports reveal character, then you take a little bit off yourself as an educator. I think, yeah. you know what I mean? You're, you're not trying to polish what's already there. You're trying to teach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that would be the goal. The next part of the discussion is romantic relationships because this is not sport. This may not be uh, appropriate for the court or field per se, but physical education, health classroom um, certainly seems like the home potentially for a lot of the work that you've done. Yeah. So, you know, I think sports are one great place to talk about romantic relationships and, and, and often healthy sexuality just because you know, coaches, sometimes coaches are very, as you know, very important mentors to kids, and kids want to talk about these subjects mm -hmm. and, and really would welcome a mature adult who can help them navigate difficult relationships, difficult feelings, breakups, questions they have about sexuality. I mean, you know, in that respect, coaches can be great. The other thing is that coaches obviously hear talk mm -hmm. in locker right. rooms or right. on buses, and sometimes it's very degrading talk. and. Sometimes it's homophobic talk, and mm -hmm. coaches really have a responsibility to intervene in those situations and engage kids in conversations about um, what was degrading about what they said and why it doesn't have much to do with honor and dignity and what it really means to be a man. So um, I think there are a lot of opportunities. I also think there's you know tremendous opportunities in health ed that we don't really seize. That health ed tends to be disaster prevention. It mm -hmm. tends to be how not to get pregnant, how not to get STDs. It's not about you know, the courage and tenderness and subtlety and toughness you need to really have a, a, a love relationship with somebody else, a generous, right. reciprocal, mutual love relationship with somebody else. And I love what you've said in the past about um, how work and love are the two most important things. What am I, I don't want to misquote you. Yeah, this is, I, I can't take credit for it. It's Freud's quote, but Freud uh, said okay. the two most important things in life are work and love. We do an enormous amount to prepare young people for work. We don't really do anything to prepare them for love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our homes are one place we can prepare young people for love. We can have more conversations about what a love relationship is, but health classes are another place. And, you know, there are certainly contexts in, you know, when you're in a, in a locker room or you're on a bus with kids where that, you know, relationship issues come up, those are other opportunities to talk to kids about what, what, a mature, what is a mature love relationship like? What's the difference mm -hmm. between infatuation and love? What's the difference between lust and love? Mm -hmm. I mean, kids are always thinking about those questions. No question. Older adults yeah. think about those questions. Right. So, um, and they're really important conversations to disengage. Think about how many people have confused those things, infatuation right. and love, and lust and love, in ways that have been very destructive to them and to other people. So, right. 
Yeah, there's no question. And we've talked about the voice of um, a coach, how compelling that might be in this conversation in particular. You know, you'd enter a space that's that's ripe with motivation, um, that is by nature physically tough at least in some way, um, and the primary motivator, the coach, um, if he were to peel back, uh, you know, the stereotypical barriers and enter this conversation with young people, how powerful that could potentially be. Yeah, I mean, I think that the messenger here is incredibly important, and that's why, mm -hmm. you know, I'm thrilled that you're thinking about this, because I think you're a powerful messenger for this. Um, it's, you know, it's sort of reframing for, for kids, um, what is real honor? What is real courage? What is real dignity? What is real decency? Like there's no honor and courage and dignity in calling a girl a slut or a hoe or a bitch right. or bragging about how many girls you slept with. I mean, that's all kind of, it's all kind of lame. I mean, right. if you really want to do something tough and courageous, figure out how to have a deep love relationship with somebody else. I mean, that's a that's subtle, tough work. If you want to do something tough and courageous, stand up to your friends who are degrading women. Mm -hmm. I mean, that can be a hard thing to do and a hard thing to do well. If you want to do something, uh, you know, it shouldn't be courageous, but it is, you know, really work to protect a woman who's at risk in some ways. You know, she's with when she's with men who you know are predatory in some way. I mean, that's what really, you know, being decent and having dignity is about. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, completely. Um, that would align with some of our other work that's, you know, you want to be tough at your core, willing to do certain things uh, inside of you. The, the talk is usually pretty superficial. Yeah. You know, the, the toughest people around don't usually, they're not usually the ones saying that yeah. is what it comes down to. So that's an interesting um, component of it as well. Um, well, we, and we certainly we can't talk about sports and human development in general without talking about the next step, which is college. You know, people moving on, um, and you've done a lot of work on reframing college admissions. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So one of the one of the core principles of making caring common is we're trying to get the, the key adult institu institutions, key adult institutions, to send different signals to young people. Mm -hmm. um, that right now the signals are that what we really care about is high achievement and. Um, you know, at other times in our history, adult institutions sent quite different message that we were schools, K-12 education, colleges, religious institutions, were sending the message that what matters to us is, is ethical citizenship, it's being mm. a good citizen. Um, uh, that message was much stronger. And so we're trying to get those institutions to send those kind of messages. And we got, we now have a group of about 200 colleges. That wow are on board admissions offices sending the message to it matters in college admissions is not long brag sheets. It's not how many AP courses you took. Um, it's not how well you did on the SAT. It's whether you were intellectually engaged and whether you were ethically engaged, whether you were a good citizen. And I think that's just a very important message to send to young people. We are now doing a high school mobilization where we're trying to get high schools to really elevate ethical character and do things that really support kids' character development. Mm -hmm. And I mean ethical character, they're concerned for others, they're concerned for the common good. And um, also the increase equity and access and the decrease excessive achievement pressure. And we are looking for schools that want to join that initiative. So okay. if anybody's interested in joining that initiative, high yeah. schools, I hope they contact us. All they need to do is Google Making Caring Common. Okay. And they can come get to our website and then get information about how to join this campaign. And what would the lift on the high school end be? Um, well, we're looking for high schools. You know, we know that high schools are very different contexts. So, 
this is not a cookie cutter thing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not a, a one shoe a one shoe fits all. One, yeah, yeah, one size. It's not yeah. one shoe. One size, one size fits, fits all. Fits yeah, all. yeah. <laughs> Knew there was something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a one size fits all um, problem. We're giving schools a menu of things that they can do to mm-hmm. choose from, and they can also generate their own step. But there are two criteria. One is that the step has to be substantial. I mean, yeah. There are a lot of things you can do that are meaningless out there. Right. And the second is we are asking schools to collect some data. Can you really brief data to see if it's working or not? You know, just get some um, data to see whether you're, you, know, you are having an impact on whether kids want to are more motivated to create a better world. You know, whether you are getting, uh, having an impact on whether kids are feeling a lot of stress and a lot of achievement pressure. Yeah, I love that. And, and you're looking for, am I right, a th- about a thousand schools to be pioneers in this regard? Is we're hoping right? a thousand schools to be pioneers and we're going to create a, a positive contagion. You know, we're going to get out of go. this arms arms race and, you know, we got to figure out the right term, but create a humanity race. Like, who you know, who can, who can really do the most to support our future and to support a more humane, a braver and more humane world? I love that. All right. Well, thank you very much, Rick. I appreciate it. Oh, it's great Um, to talk to you. I'm cheering for the work you're doing. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen, and feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.